Hey, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of the Progressive Democrats of Howard County podcast. I am uh, one of the co-hosts here, Jake Burdett. We are joined by our, uh, our other permanent co-host. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Hori Hadgu, and I uh, also the, I'm a co-host of the Progressive Democrats of uh, Howard County podcast. Thank you, Harry. And then we are joined by, uh, I don't think they are a permanent uh, co-host of the podcast, but they are our uh, brilliant and lovely leader. Uh, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Nicole Dvorak, and I'm one of the fearless leaders of the Progressive Democrats of Howard County organization, and I'm happy to be here. Yeah, thank you. So this is it, guys. We're here. We've been talking about doing this for so long. We're finally uh, unveiling, kicking out public, uh, producing a little bit more content, including this podcast. Um, so let's talk about what, why, why are we, what, why does this group exist all of a sudden? Why are we creating a progressive Democrats organization, you know, out of nowhere? Um, what are we even here to talk on this podcast about? Um, all great questions that the watcher is probably wondering. Um, so first of all, I think we should, um, even before we get into that, let's, let's tell the people a little bit about ourselves. Um, you know, so, uh, I guess we could, yeah, we'll start with Nicole. Yeah. Sorry. Thanks. So a little bit about my background. Uh, I'll start with 2018, I suppose. I can go back a little further. My background is a number of things, uh, largely focused on environmentalism, I would say. I've worked on farms, farmers markets, clean energy company. And then uh, in 2018, I decided I wanted to help Democrats get elected again, because I did that uh, about 10 plus years ago in 2008 in Ohio. I worked on a U.S. congressional race there and really wanted to support Democrats again and help them win. So I knocked on a lot of doors in Howard County um, for um, Calvin Ball, who was running for county executive then, for uh, every Democrat who was running on the county council and uh, the state delegation races. And then after that effort that a lot of people worked really hard on uh, was very successful and many Democrats won elected office that year or, or were reelected. And then I uh, started working for the newly elected council member, Liz Walsh, and in Howard County, um, who represents uh, Ellicott City and uh, Elkridge, parts of Ellicott City and Elkridge and uh, Hanover. And um, then worked for her for about two years. And now here we are. Yes, now, now. started from the bottom, now we're here, right? Um, yeah, so, and um, Huri, you wanna tell them a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Um... So I, I think perhaps the relevant background for me starts maybe around uh, after the 2016 elections. And, uh, you know, after, after that, I got involved in um, uh, local, uh, in local community uh, organizing. And um, um, that, you know, that involvement uh, um, led to um, uh, seeing how much County local issues have an impact on our, um, you know, daily lives. Uh, led me to uh, decide to run for uh, county council, which was uh, uh, an excellent, um, uh, very, you know, educational experience for me in terms of actually understanding where the um, where the important issues lie. Um, and um, after the 2018 uh, county count, uh, election, mid, uh, elections uh, ended, um, uh, the primary elections, um, I continued to participate uh, in various organizations and um, you know, focusing on 
land use and um, and zoning um, and um, you know we'll we'll I'm sure we'll, you know we'll touch on this um, over, the, over here today and over the next few months. So we'll, you know we'll see that you know that most people you know people in general, including including me, until I started getting involved, don't pay attention to zoning and land use, and that has been uh, very advantageous for political parties to exploit for the uh, benefit um, of their uh you know corporate uh backers and um and so um you know my my i continue to be involved uh to uh, bring more awareness to um this exploitation um and you know making sure that uh you know the that more more people are, are aware of this exploitation and to uh bring about change in a way that our resources are being allocated in an equitable way and so that's why that's why i'm here yeah and you've you've uh got quite a target on your back for the advocacy that you do because yeah you're calling out uh threatening a lot of people's money there um but yeah we'll get into that in, in a little bit but you know uh last and least i'll introduce myself uh, my name is jake burdett um co-host of the podcast as i said um just a member of the club um happy to be here i'm 23 years old uh born and raised here in howard county though i didn't really get uh politically conscious until my senior year of high school uh the bernie sanders 2016 campaign basically activated me radicalized me some could even say um you know turned me on to progressive politics got involved with activism um, on the Eastern shore in, uh, at Salisbury, both in the Eastern shore community, as well as on campus, um, with the college Democrats. I was, uh, co-president of my chapter for three semesters there, worked with, uh, Maryland college Democrats a little bit. Um, and also just done organizing on issues like fight for 15, Medicare for all, um, paid sick leave, um, in like more just outside the democratic party and progressive organizations like our revolution and progressive Maryland. Um, but I've done a ton of, of work. I was also on the, on the democratic central committee on the Eastern shore. I, I've done a lot of, uh, work within the democratic party, trying to move the party in a more progressive, further left direction, trying to get them off of you know, the, uh, the addiction of uh, corporate money uh, donations to help them win their campaigns, which I believe uh, money in politics is like my biggest issue because I think it affects all other issues. You know, they're voting with health insurance executives because they're taking money from health insurance executives. They're voting with developers because they're taking money from developers. So that's been, an, been a big issue of mine. I graduated uh, May 2020, got involved with the Matthew Moliet Board of Education campaign. That was kind of my introduction into Howard County politics and local politics, which I didn't really know much about suburban county politics before then. But after the Moliet campaign, uh, through that, I became the president of the Columbia Democratic Club in September of 2020. And I think that is maybe a good transition now of. Um, why this club exists, especially if I was just the president of another democratic club. Um, so um, I, I, if it, here, if you, I, I saw you come off mute, if you wanted to uh, say something here. No, I was, I was going to ask, what was, what was the group name again? The, the, the Columbia Democratic Club, but the name of our group is the Progressive Democrats of Howard County. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which, okay, um, okay. Good, good. good. Yeah. Yeah, some people Just don't want to clarify. that that name getting out there. But yeah, we're here. Um, we're not going away. And we're here to do some great progressive advocacy work. But just to connect those dots of, you know, how we got from being there in September 2020 to here now in May 2021 with this new separate progressive Democratic club. Um, basically, when I became president of Columbia Democratic Club in September 2020, um, it seemed to be, you know, it's a historic club that's been around for a while, but it was largely defunct. There was like 12 people at the meeting I was elected to. And I ran on a bold progressive agenda 
very characteristic of like the young ways with AOC and uh, the Justice Democrats and all them. And I basically ran on very the same way that I wanted that I ran the Salisbury University College Democrats chapter, which was the largest and most active college Dems chapter in the state at the time. That was being unapologetically progressive, taking bold, strong stances on issues in favor of human rights and equity. Um, and most importantly, not being afraid to criticize elected Democrats when they act counter to these progressive values that polls show the majority of the party feels. Um, and uh, I knew just through my time at College Dems that that style of activism can, you know, shake the table a little bit, ruffle some feathers. Um, and that really uh, repeated itself in the Columbia Democratic Club very early on, um, specifically around the issue of the ICE contract in Howard County that we had until very recently. Our county made like, I think it was $2 million a year or so um, through contracting with ICE to uh, de detain undocumented people. Um, Nicole's former boss uh, count and my, my council member, Liz Walsh, had introduced a bill to end the ICE contract. Uh, our county executive, Democratic County Executive Ball, uh, vetoed it despite it being passed with the majority of Democratic votes. And I issued a criticism um, of executive ball for that uh, veto and the pushback uh, from a lot of uh, quote unquote community leaders and, you know, people aligned with the establishment of the Democratic Party and really just the, the status quo leadership that's been in control of Howard County for a very long time. And the pushback was incredibly severe against me, both behind the scenes and then eventually publicly. Um, attempts were made to sabotage uh, meetings um, around that issue uh, because they didn't want anything that might reflect poorly on the county executive who is an elected Democrat. And that, that really boiled down to the crux of the issue that caused a lot of this public drama and tension over the next couple of months, which if you followed anything on Facebook regarding the clubs for the last couple of months, you definitely know what we're talking about. Um, so, you know, before I, there, there is a little bit more there before I, you know, delve any deeper. Um, Nicole or here, is there anything that either of you want to say, you know, of what, what it looked like from the outside looking in, you know, uh, because neither of you were club members before that, but I think you saw the stuff I was speaking on and, and got involved. So what, what did that look like from, from your perspectives? Nicole? That's a great question. I mean, you know, in the fall of 2020 um, is when council member Liz Walsh introduced uh, CB 51, which was the legislation that uh, the council level legislation that uh, would end the ICE contract. So of course, during that time and you know, in general, the legislative schedule for the Howard County Council is uh, is pretty uh, very consistent and sometimes really intense because it's really every every month. So, you know, we were, of course, really focused on that at the time. And, um, you know, I, I wish we could say that it wasn't going to be an uphill battle, but one of the things that I noticed from the very beginning that we didn't really expect. And when I say the beginning, I mean, um, right after everyone was sworn in for the council and for perspective, all five members of the county council who were elected in 2018 were brand new to the job, right? Which is pretty unique. Um, so everyone's trying to figure it out. We really weren't, we really didn't know what to expect. Um, as far as you know how votes would go the legislative process and when we started and filed legislation um, at the beginning of of 2019 you know we weren't expecting as much pushback as as we got and the lack of um support from some of the democrats on the council and four out of five of them are democrats so i had seen for you know at least 
what, a year, year and a half already that, you know, how, how difficult uh, it can be. And I knew that to, to get the support of some of our, of the, the Democrats on the council who we didn't think it would be so hard to support things that we thought were pretty, pretty simple. Like this, this whole, this whole, the, the word progressive, right? I mean, I wish that human rights and dignity were weren't considered like progressive that it just was right that it just was like that's the bar that's the bar it's not quote unquote progressive that's the standard not the exception um so you know to kind of see some of that battle or similar battle happen within a local democratic club i can't say is uh is particularly shocking to me but but i guess on a certain level it still was um to see how how the extent or the things that happened during that time. Yeah, no, it was um, it was pretty uh, pretty surprising. I mean, as I said, I've I've been doing this stuff for a long time, but I've never faced pushback that severe. Um, you know, especially it was surprising that they didn't. They, they certainly didn't go easy on me uh, and take into account that I'm a young person. Um, that's for sure. Um, Kira, did you have uh, any, any thought, you know, at this point it was still mostly behind the scenes, um, but. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, I, you know, I was, um, I was, um, it was nice to see that, you know, there were, new people joining local democratic groups. And so, you know, someone, uh, you know, given, you know, you know, your experience, you know, with the, with the party at the state level, and then, you know, um, you know, in, in the, in the central committee, you know, and, in um, uh, and, and it's what, Comico, right. So, you know, given, you know, you know, I, I, I was, you know, very, I was excited that, you know, you are there to, to make some, you know, to make some changes. And so, you know, it was nice to see that, you know, the different, the different changes you are starting to, you know, to implement. And, you know, that led to me, you know, participating a little, you know, a lot more in, you know, in, in what the club was, you know, what the club was doing. Um, and, uh, you know, for once, you know, the, you know, Howard, the Howard County Democratic Party, or at least, you know, one group of it was actually doing something, you know, in a principled way and not just saying things that, that sound nice um, you know, and so, um, um, the, uh, and, and, you know, it was, um, it was, it was disappointing to witness so many adults behaving in this way. You know, a lot of these people, um, quote unquote, advocate on behalf of children you know they advocate for school children and this is a terrible example to set for for you know for for school children when you're out there cyber bullying and going out there smearing people and um you know making uh false accusations making stuff up um just so that you can protect a corrupt power structure and that was what's happening and um it was you know was clear for for the public i think it was clear for the public to see but uh, unfortunately you know um uh, you know um you know as as the we, we saw we saw in you know in on may on may 12 you know the entire the entire establishment showed up just to take out you know, a 23-year-old, 
you know, uh, you know, young man. And so they, you know, they knew that you are, you know, you were making an impact. And so that's why they showed up. So, uh, you know, you had, you know, it was, um, and, you know, it's, it was clear that it was not possible to do that there, to do that in that, in that club. And I think this is why, you know, this group, you know, our organization will be important and will have, you know, will, because, you know, they, the, the establishment likes to say that it's, you know, likes to throw around the word, you know, progressive and equity and, you know, but, you know, at the end of the day, this is just, you know, same, same old, you know, corporate Democrat, you know, behavior, you know, they, you know, there's this, there's a, the rile people up on social issues while when, it, you know, when it comes to the money, when it comes to the budget, they're doing the same thing as what the Republican party does, which is, you know, giving the tax breaks to, you know, to the, to the, to, to the corporations uh, or, you know, doing, doing that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, this, it was this, this way, you know, this group, I think, will bring forward some of these you know issues that have been ignored by the, you know by the corporate democrats and uh, so uh, you know i'm i'm uh, i'm excited for uh i'm excited for you know what we'll, what what we will do yeah and just to uh you know kind of try to wrap up the the origin story cuz yeah the the local ICE contract, Liz Walsh's bill on that, that was very early on in the presidency. And there was a lot of tension behind the scenes, but, um, you know, uh, the bill got vetoed. It was what it was, but then there was this state bill, Delegate Vaughn Stewart's dignity, not the tension bill, which would close all the ICE and all the ICE contracts in the state, including the one in Howard County. And, you know, the, for lack of a better term, Calvin Ball loyalists, um, you know, uh, people that wanted to protect him uh, after he made that veto, they did not want the dignity, not the pension bill to pass either. So there were behind the scenes attempts to kill legislative efforts for the club around dignity, not detention again, to protect elected Democrats um, at the expense of actual immigrant communities. Um, and uh, even then it was a lot behind the scenes, a lot of uh, unethical shady things were being done um, but things didn't really get public until another big point of contention came. And really, you know, it was the, the ICE contract issue earlier, but not just the ICE contract, the fact that I was willing to be critical of um, elected Democrats like Calvin Ball and Opal Jones on that issue. And you'll find that that's the common thread between all of these issues is it's me slash us making very reasonable criticisms of elected Democrats trying to make them better and stop problematic practices. And then we get attacked for, for calling that out and people try to give the elected Democrats a pass. And, um, you know, I guess this one doesn't involve as much elected Democrats more so than uh, who is buying off the elected Democrats. But the other big point of contention was uh, the Columbia Association elections, which were coming up at the time, uh, they were on April 24th, but, you know, uh, there was like months of campaigning before that. And there was this mysterious group that popped up the Rouse project that we can, you know, dig into the details of, uh, a little bit more later, but, you know, Huey, you know, a lot of establishment figures involved with the Rouse project, which was running to essentially, uh, you know, run a slate of candidates in the CA elections um, with, you know, uh, an unknown agenda. And there was a lot of, you know, establishment aligned figures, including former uh, Democratic County Executive Ken Allman, former Republican County Executive um, Alan Kittleman. And they just pop up out of nowhere, obviously very well funded, um, just saying, hey, we're your friendly neighborhood uh, people that care about an election, just trying to like increase turnout and be good citizens. But, you know, just citizen advocacy organizations don't have money like that. People knew that there's something up. And Curie uh, basically po posted 
a deep dive blog series speculating to what the Rouse Project's true intentions may be, um, where their funding may be coming from, and you know, tracing the connections of some of the executive committee members and their ties to um, really, you know, what the the open uh, and people say this word uh, as a derogatory conspiracy, but um, you know, I think in this case, uh, this is most likely actually true. The whole theory is that this is developers um, funding this group trying to get uh, pro development or, or pro really uh, over development candidates elected. And here he posted a blog project, uh, a blog, you know, three part blog series. Yeah, just making those speculations, being a little bit critical. And again, it was another example of uh, somebody, you know, uh, asking questions about the local uh, political establishment and, you know, people that are uh, influential in Democratic Party circles here and was met with, uh, you know, awful attacks, not just on Fury for being the one to write it, you know, launching him as a crazy tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorist, but even uh, calls on me to literally resign as Columbia Democratic Club president for just allowing the post to be posted in the Columbia Democratic Club Facebook group. Um, and, you know, be, before I get on like the, you know, the, the full fallout of that over the next couple of months, you know, Kerry or Nicole, do you, you guys want to talk? Because that, that was what marked um, the date that uh, the behind the scenes fighting on Columbia Democratic Club turned public because, um, you know, also the day before in response to the arguing over uh, efforts to kill the legislative efforts around digging that extension to end the ICE contract, um, certain members of the executive board had tried to change the passwords of the social media accounts, lock myself and others out of it. Um, and then, uh, that happened basically on the same day that Fury's blog was posted. So a lot happened that day. So Nicole, did you want to speak on that series of unfortunate events, as they say? Yeah. So what what I what I want to say that kind of I think wraps kind of around what you've just said and what Fury's discussed is that you know the the crux of of why this new group was started, right? The Progressive Democrats of Howard County is, is a lot about, you know, just being able to ask questions of elected Democrats. And that is, that is basically what all of us did essentially in different forms. We had questions and a different stance, right? And not only was that uh, not okay with the democratic status quo in Howard County, we, it, it was basically an avalanche of discontent at a minimum. So, you know, this, the idea that constituents right? Because all of us are constituents of the county council, the county executive, and then we have our members in the state allegation. We're all constituents. Why can't we ask questions? That's incumbent upon us as people. They work for all of us, right? They're elected and, you know, we have a voice. And that was attempted to it was attempted to be extinguished. Like there couldn't even be a conversation. So, you know, when I see elected Democrats in, in Howard County and some other people who don't want to talk about abuse, documented abuse of ICE detainees at the hands of Howard County employees and our detention center, that's still to this day, to my knowledge, has not once been acknowledged by our Democratic County Executive at all, right? The person who vetoed the ICE contract, or the, not the ICE contract, the vetoed CB51. And then to have other people 
who say that they're experts on the issue, they're immigration lawyers, we should keep the ICE contract, to then have none of them talk about the abuse of ICE detainees in our detention center at the hands of correctional staff. We can't talk about that. We shouldn't be talking about that. That's not a problem. That is unacceptable. That is wholly unacceptable. And they tried to sweep it under the rug and not talk about it and defend the people who wanted to keep the ICE contract. And that's not okay. So that's part of the reason why we're here. We're Democrats, right? We have values. We want to uphold human rights and dignity. And we will ask questions of our elected officials because that is our responsibility. And anyone else who thinks that that's a problem needs to check themselves. Well put, drop the mic. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's certainly, yeah, that, that, again, that's the common thread here is that there are just certain people in the county, particularly ones in charge and connected to those in charge who think that, yeah, asking questions, questioning authority, or being critical of elected Democrats is, is blasphemous or certain elected Democrats. I should say, but yeah, here, did you want to? Yeah, um, I think there's a common thread here because, uh, you know, the, when when the county executive ran for, you know, for county executive, he introduced CB9 to show that he was good on immigration issues. And, you know, that was vetoed. Um, that rightfully riled people up against against you know public officials like Alan Kitterman and Democratic Council member John Weinstein. Uh, and so that you know that led to what happened, you know, one that was one of the elements that led to what happened in 2018. One of one of his one of the county executive ball's propositions was that I will do everything I can to make Howard County friendly to, um, you know, to immigrants undocumented or whatever. And so when, when the issue of the ICE contract came up, I think, you know, uh, in 2019 for a long, you know, for uh, in the background, people were, you know, talking to him uh, and his staff and, you know, asking for this to be canceled. And there was no reaction. There was no willingness to do to do any of that. And he didn't make any of these changes until, um, until uh, council member Walsh introduced CB 51. And then a few, a couple of days, you know, a few days later, he offered a, a policy change, which he, was against when it was CB9 when the when council when county executive Kittleman in you know uh, proposed a policy change instead of signing you know approving CB9 he was against it now he was now he's fine with it so he uh, he introduced this, the policy change and it wasn't actually a policy change because a few days later council member Walsh found out that the policy change gave uh, uh, the director of the detention center a way out so that he, it would be his, his, uh, in his, you know, at his discretion, the, the, the decision to detain people was still gonna be uh, you know, at his discretion. So it wasn't really a policy change either. So um, he wanted to, he, he was, uh, uh, it, it turns out that you know, he wasn't really good on immigration issues. Um, and so uh, you know, that, was being called out. That was what was being called out on, you know, by, uh, you know, people, you know, uh, like me, but more specifically, you know, when, you know, when, when, you know, when you took over Jake and uh, the CDC, that, that brought, you know, that was, uh, you know, there was more focus on that, which, you know, that, um, you know, people did not want that because it would, you know, it would, you know, uh, remove the veneer that you know the, the you know corporate Democrats had about their being 
good on social issues. And, you know, because at the end of the day, they, you know, when it came down to, you know, um, even the social issues, the corporate Democrats were terrible. And, um, and so relate, you know, so, you know, bringing, bringing, you know, back to the, the Ross project, the Ross project was, they wanted to increase the diversity of the Columbia Association board. So increasing diversity is a good a benevolent goal, but that's not what they want. That was not their goal. It was to use diversity as a ploy, as a, uh, as a way to create, to rile people up and put in people who agreed with the goals of the backers of the Rouse project uh, in that they, you know, of unchecked, unmitigated growth that benefited specifically, you know, solely uh, the, you know, the corporate, uh, the, the corporations, the, the developer corporations. So it was, it was to do that. I, I have no doubt that the people that they, uh, you know, the, the, yes, there was, it was, it was a diverse slate, but they, you know, uh, you know, some of the given it would have had those people been elected, all of them, it would have been a more diverse slate. But it doesn't negate the fact that those people agreed with what, uh, you know, the backers of the Ross projects, Howard Hughes, wanted. So uh, same thing with with the county council. It's more diverse. Uh, I mean, the, the county government. You know, you have a, a, an African American county executive, and there's one African American council member. But that doesn't negate the fact that they are pro, you know, uh, corporate, I mean, developer, you know, uh, uh, subsidies, which they have been. The, the data shows that they have been. And, um, and so uh, they, um, when, when it was using, using original data, original documentation of, of contracts, of uh, easement contracts from from the, the county records and you know other or groups related groups like the NR Arbor Trust, when I prepared that that report on the Rouse project, it was described as a conspiracy theory, but that's you know that's what uh, you know Trump when when Trump gets called out he called you know he would react and say that was fake news so it was the same thing so you know they um um it was just a way to try and discredit something that was legitimately you know sourced there was no there was very little speculation about what, what was in that report and lo and behold a week or so later former county executive liz bobo came out and said that you know it was pretty much the intention of this this rouse project was not on the up and up and they were trying to hijack uh an hoa election it wasn't you know a jurisdictional it wasn't you know an, an election that was um you know it's it's just an h it's you know it's a it's a big hoa and the representatives of this hoa were you know being elected and that's what the rouse project was trying to do and they were trying to elect people that would allow, that would make, that would create favorable conditions so that Howard Hughes can profit even more than it has in the, in over the past, uh, however many years that it's been in business in Howard County. Yeah. And, um, you know, to really kind of, wrap up the origin story and connect that back to our purpose so you know here he publishes that series of blog posts gets a ton of hate for it even though it's incredibly well researched and uh sourced and fact checked um all the people criticizing it nobody could actually point to anything that was inaccurate um in the series but of course they attack nonetheless and um you know Things were really ugly publicly for a while. Uh, myself, Yuri, Nicole, and really anybody else who, you know, also had the courage to like, you know, step out of line with the group think, um, you know, got uh, pretty ruthlessly criticized for 
you know, just silly, petty, personal things, you know, not even related to the issue, but, you know, people who were just very ruthless. So that continued basically from like February until the, the Columbia Democratic Club elections in May. And I think, you know, what was really just frustrating both at the ICE contract battle and with the Rouse project is like, you know, being against uh, corporate money in politics, funding elections, and standing with uh, immigrants should just be common sense, like the platform for the Democratic Party. But the fact that it's like community leaders, some of whom even try to slap that label progressive on themselves, the fact that those are the people who the left is supposed to like be able to depend on. And these are the people actually fighting to keep the ICE contract. Uh, the biggest gaslighters of those critical of the Rouse project. And I think that summarizes the purpose of why we decided to create this club and not run a slate for Columbia Democratic Club or run for re-election for Columbia Democratic Club. And that, you know, and if you guys disagree, feel free to chime in. But for me, it became clear through my time as president of that club that, that at least the existing local party structures were not open to progressives. It was not a safe space for progressives. Maybe a safe space for people who like who call themselves a progressive, but don't actually act like a progressive. The, the second you actually act like a progressive and try to hold our elected Democrats accountable, move them to the left, give us the policy that we deserve and need. Um, they sick the dogs on you. They smear you. They do a character assassination. Quite honestly, they try to literally run you out of the out of the club or out of the organization they try to take back their club so that's why we i think we felt the need to create this to give progressives a voice give progressives a space and like an actual space where they're not going to be gaslit um they're not going to be you know have the, the wool pulled over their eyes and call you want to jump in looks like yeah i'm with you i mean you know and it's, you know, we, it is called the Progressive Democrats of Howard County, but really, of course, we're open to, we want people to feel like they have a place and, uh, and people that they can talk to who have questions about basic things, like how does the county government work? If, you know, let's say I see one of those um, signs in my neighborhood that indicates a development project is, is, is going to be built and it's in a certain phase. What does this mean? There's really such a, a lack of, inf of uh, organized information that just covers the basics, right? And what, what year are we in? We're in 2021. You know, uh, clearly the, some of this, you know, things are, are built on a regular basis. Why is this information so inaccessible? Um, and doesn't exist in a, in a way that's easy to find and easy to understand. And we want to um, help people understand that just on a basic factual level. And it's just, it's incredibly needed. It, the mystery and the, the nebulous nature of some of these things just need to be broken down so that then people can better understand and go from there, right? And then they can, they can make whatever conclusions they want to come with uh, to. So I think, you know, it's, yes, of course, you know, we support progressive policies, but then also like anyone who just wants to figure out what the heck is going on, you know, we're right, what's, we're, we're near the end of May. And again, it's 2021 and how many people still have questions about the county budget process and who, who has control over what how long has the county budget process been going on? And so many like involved, intelligent people still have no idea how to figure out where that is. And, and uh, it's because a lot of that information doesn't exist yet. So, or at least in, in um, digestible you know, parts. So I think we're, we're here for that. And um, there are a lot of people on, on the any political you know spectrum anything um who don't like the influence of big money in politics and that's on the left and that's on the right that's in the center right um 
And a lot of that happens. No, who knows who in the state of Maryland knows where to find someone's campaign finance report? I mean, honest to Pete, where, where do they even go? But if they knew, they'd probably be mad, right? <laughs> they'd probably, they look at some of that stuff and go, I'm sorry, you got $6,000 from whom? Um, and it matters, you know, is my $5 donation, does it honestly mean as much as someone's $6,000 donation? I mean, I'm sure a lot of elected officials will say, of course, it, you know, of course we listen to everybody, but at the end of the day, come on, you know, um, that $6,000 was made for a reason. And it's kind of like a business investment, isn't it? Like someone invested $6,000 and they expect something back. And I think that people who don't have that money to give or who, you know, just want simply to be represented, they just are legitimately not getting the same voice. And we end up in, we've got uh, super majorities and local and state level uh, legislatures of Democrats where we should not have to fight as hard to get some of these things passed. It is awful that how many advocacies organization 97 have to come together to create a coalition and advocate at the state level and then maybe get something passed that's not acceptable that's not acceptable that shouldn't be happening at the state level that shouldn't be happening at the local level and the reason why it's so hard is because there's too much big money in politics and the little guys can't win so we're here to make a difference in that capacity and to give you, me, people who don't have to donate, you, you shouldn't have to donate to someone's campaign to have a voice, right? So we're here to, uh, to make sure that more people in Howard County are represented in government. Yeah, and I, oh, sorry, go ahead. Um, so uh, um, the only thing you know, I would add to that you know I, I agree with what's been said so far uh, you know when it comes to zoning and land use uh, there's there isn't you know it doesn't have any political ideology and it's you know I it was said you know you know um, left right center you know everybody's I think worried about money in politics um, and uh, you know to the extent that you know, it, it, and it does apply a lot to zoning and land use. Uh, I think you know, uh, again, left, right, and center. This you know, this this does it doesn't have, you know, you know, the zoning and land use doesn't care about the party. It's you know, it's just it is what it is. And but it it affects the money. It affects the budget. And I would say a minimum of eighty percent of the county's budget, um, I would say, is affected by impacted by the zoning and land use decisions. And um, I think we will have, you know, we're, you know, um, we're um, a lot of, you know, people who, you know, who are part of this group will, will you know, like Jake mentioned, are, are not gonna be appreciative of, you know, groupthink um, and also, you know they're um, they're they're going to be worried about you know increasing accountability in county government and making sure that zoning and land use decisions are um, made in a way that increases in in a way that it doesn't take away the county's budget and allocate it disproportionately to uh, developers and um, and um, you know you know ultimately ensuring that um, our, our infrastructure, um, the quality of infrastructure is, uh, you know, uh, is, um, is maintained and increased so that, you know, our school quality, the school quality increases so that people who can't, you know, who, uh, who, who rely on free and reduced meals, ch children, school children, uh, attend, you know, classes with with low class sizes, so that they can get the be, you know a better quality education, and uh, so you know I think you know that's that's a concern of anybody, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, uh, or any you know party ideology, and so um, you know I, I know 
people who will, who will be part of this group, you know, they will have different objectives, but ultimately I think we, we will share the same, you know, ident- you know, objectives in a sense that we need to increase accountability in government and, um, and make sure that, make sure that there's, uh, you know, there's no group think in, uh, um, you know, in, in the way that we share ideas and, you know, we don't have to, you know, um, uh, uh, fair exchange, free and fair exchange of uh, ideas. Yeah, and I think you both touch on, you know, really important thing there of, um, you know, progressive values are great, but also like um, people have to realize what's going on in the county and specifically with development and zoning and land use issues. Like I know as a, as a young progressive who had been following politics really since 2016 and I thought I knew it all when I was involved with organizing on the Eastern Shore, I realized like, you know, if you're like, I think most people who follow politics, they, they, they stick to mostly national politics and maybe state politics. And so they do know about money in politics and how that affects, you know, uh, our politicians not doing things like Medicare for all or the military industrial complex pushing for more war. But I, I was incredibly ignorant on development and zoning and land use issues, which are more county local issues. But the dynamic of money in politics absolutely still applies. But because I wasn't well versed to be on the lookout for that yeah, the developers are very clever. They have these, um, first of all, they make it purposely confusing for people so that the layman can't really tell what's going on. They just tune out because it sounds boring, but they've also brilliantly learned how to co-op the rhetoric of equity and diversity and inclusion, um, which are all like very important and valid concepts, but uh, the developers basically uh, bastardize them and use that rhetoric and say, oh, we value this and act like the things that they're pursuing are towards that end. Um, But that's just not the case. The reality is everything, so much of what they do is against equity. They act like they're for affordable housing. They uh, actually try to wiggle out of building affordable housing every opportunity that they get. So this is the type of community education that we also plan to do with this group is teaching people the basics of zoning and land use. What are these little tricks that developers are always constantly using to not have to pay for their own projects to shift that burden on the taxpayer to do things like contribute to, you know, school and infrastructure overcrowding and um, the lack of affordable housing as much as they pretend like uh, they don't support that. Um, So, you know, other than the community education on development and other issues, I think we also um, plan to do a lot of uh, international uh, relations um, work and stuff highlighting, um, you know, really disastrous foreign policy and how that contributes to, uh, you know, humanitarian crises around the world. Right now, what Israel is doing to uh, Palestinians is a great example on that. And we are taking action as a club on that soon. Um, so that's, Am I, am I missing anything else for, you know, what people can expect from us? What our purpose, we might've done a pretty good job there. Um, Nicole. Yeah. I mean, we're also fun people. I mean, like we, you know, there's some of this stuff can be uh, pretty intense. Right. And um, a lot of people feel that and recognize that. And uh, you know, we were we want to we need to have you know some light um, moments as well and some some events that kind of you know keep people together and, and don't uh, you know I think it's easy for anybody to burn out because there's so much that needs to be done right um, so uh, we're we're certainly trying to do. Um, a lot of good, or at least what we think is good, right? Because of course, you know, some other people would disagree uh, with what that is. So uh, yeah, come along to the progressive Democrats of Howard County. 
we're going to do is our, stuff. This is my singing voice. That's not a great one. Yeah. I, I was going to say that is our official theme song is for it? now. Yeah, we're adopting it. It's official. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think, uh, you know, we're, we're coming up on an hour here. So I think we can wrap it up. I, I will try to put a quick pin on the um, Rouse Project stuff since we, we brought it up. Um, Want to tell people in case they uh, didn't follow the outcome of that. But yeah, obviously, you know, Sherry said it was an HOA election. So it's technically not a public election, but, you know, there's over 100,000 people in Colombia. I believe uh, the Columbia Association is one of the largest HOAs in the country. So it's, it's a big deal. It has significant influence over, you know, the decisions made in Colombia, particularly like what areas can and cannot be developed on. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's traditionally low turnout because a lot of people don't follow HOA elections. Um, but the Rouse Project came up and spent very obviously like, tens of thousands of dollars between mailers, consultants, uh, websites, uh, you know, PR um, firms, uh, you know, but the thing that's scary about it being an HOA election, not a public election, is they did not have to publicly report any of this information um, like you would have to do in a normal election. In a normal election, um, our politicians can still be bought, but at least we can see some transparency into who's buying them. There absolutely none of that exists with these CA races. So that's what's really scary about this Rouse Project thing is this could set a really terrible precedent for dark money in HOA elections in future years in Colombia, maybe from the Rouse Project and may, maybe even Howard Hughes uh, and other places export this strategy to other HOAs around the country. But despite them spending all those tens of thousands of dollars, um, creating all these different shell organizations to try to boost their legitimacy. Um, they, in, they endorsed candidates in six races. Um, only, they only endorsed one incumbent and they were only successful in two of the six races, one of which uh, the candidate was an incumbent. And um, so by and large, the Rouse Project was unsuccessful with their big money hijacking of the CA races, but uh, I think me and probably the others on this call think maybe this isn't the last we're going to hear of the Rouse Project, and they'll either come back next year, or they will, the same funders will come back with the same goal to take over the CA elections next year, but with a rebrand and a different name, and just to, uh, you know, appease anybody who wants to say, oh, this is just speculation. There's no real evidence. Like, you know, why are you saying this is Howard Hughes or developers that are likely funding this project? And some of the, um, you know, the trail leading us there is, you know, the, the public affairs firm that they're using is called Adeo Advocacy. Um, that's what they built their website for. Um, the founder and president of that was a managing partner at another a uh, public affairs firm called uh, KO Public Affairs, which is now led by two uh, registered Howard Hughes Corporation lobbyists. So there, you know, it's 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 a it's a whole web. Um, there are other, you know, little uh, you know traces like that. Like for example, the Rouse Project's logo uses um, an image that is trademarked by the Howard Research and Development Corporation. Um, which is like a, an arm of Howard Hughes. So um, it, it's pretty obvious. It, you, 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 the only way you can't see it is if you kind of are trying to not see it, in my opinion. Um, so that's why we need this group to do things like, you know, spreading the big money uh, takeover, not just in our regular elections, but even these damn HOA elections. Um, so that's all. From me, if any of if the rest of you have any closing statements, anything? No? Okay, well, uh, follow us uh, or, or look us up on social media. Check out our website, hocoprogressives.com. Um, you should be able to sign up for our email list on that. And I would recommend that you follow us on Twitter at, at Progress Hoco. Um, join our Facebook group, like our Facebook page. Um, 
I don't know what, what day exactly we'll be posting this, but uh, the, the pages are a little bit bare right now, but we're in the very near future really uh, ramping up public content on those pages. So um, other than that, be on the lookout for our next uh, podcast episode and any other public actions that the club's doing. Um, Stay tuned. Yes. Thank you, everybody. Bye. All right, everybody.